So there is a show that I watched growing up. Any of my millennial folk in the room might remember this Nickelodeon show. It was called, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh yeah, I see some faces. Some of y'all remember this show. I hated this show. And the reason is because the answer to that question was, yes, I absolutely was afraid of the dark. I was terrified. My sister would punish me by having to watch this show together. Every kid I basically know has this natural aversion to the dark. They just don't like it. Even my own kids, if I am in the basement with them and I turn off the lights while they're down there, that is a code red level 10 national emergency in the bigger household. Everything falls apart. I actually did it a couple days ago to them to test out this sermon illustration to make sure it still works. So it's for sermon illustration purposes and they freaked out and lost their minds. Some of you adults in here, you wouldn't admit it, but if it is nighttime and you're going upstairs from your basement and you turn those lights off, you walk up the stairs just a little bit faster than normal. You do. Some of you still do it. There's just something about it. And you know what? It's not totally unreasonable. Because bad things happen in the dark. Bad things happen in the dark. Just recently, um, I had an old man moment. This is very discouraging to me. I know this is a sign of aging, but I am now having to get up at night to go to the bathroom sometimes. I'm at that point in my life, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's true. So I'm getting up. I had to do a little bathroom break at 2 a.m., and Nicole hears a massive thud. Like an house, and she's like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? I was like, oh, don't worry, babe. That was just my face smacking into the bathroom door. <laughs> and that's just the reality. When you're in the dark, you can't see what's in front of you. You don't know what's behind you. You don't know what's going to come up and attack you. It's just the dark. Now, even right now, let's just imagine like this scenario played out. Let's just even assume like, like the lights would go off in this room right now. And it just went dark. Now, what if I asked everybody in the room right now to stand up and find a seat on the other side of the room without hitting somebody? <laughs> like, what if we just kept the room like this the rest of the service? This would be a subpar church experience, wouldn't it? Okay, we can turn the lights back on, but we really appreciate light. Like, it's actually very helpful and practical. And today, we are actually launching a new series that we are calling I Am. Now, what's just great about this timing is we have entered into a season that's often called in the church world a uh, Lent. Some of you might be familiar with that. These are the weeks leading up to Easter. And this is actually a great opportunity for churches and even followers of Jesus to take some time to just really focus our attention on Jesus in a greater way. So we can really appreciate what's coming in the next month, which is going to be Easter. And so my goal for us as a church is we get to Easter in the next month, and it is just really this chance to just truly understand and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus when we get to that point. But the way we're going to kind of prepare ourselves for that is we are going to look at some statements Jesus made when he was living here on earth. Seven different times Jesus makes a statement where he says, I am. And every time he makes one of these statements, he gives some type of picture, analogy, or like metaphor to help us understand who he really is and why he even came and what our response to him should be. Now, the reason why these statements are such a big deal is if you even go thousands of years before Jesus even showed up, God has a conversation with Moses at one point. He asks him to deliver the nation of Israel out of slavery from Egypt, get to the promised land. And Moses is kind of freaking out a little bit. He's like, who am I supposed to say sent me? How am I supposed to get people to believe me? And God says, tell them, I am sent you. And that's a strange response, isn't it? You're like, what does that even mean, God? Like, how is that even a name? And we couldn't possibly get into all the layers of that today. But essentially what God is saying is, you cannot contain me in a name. 
don't even try. I am self-existent. I stand out of time and space itself. I am. I just am. And this is why this is so incredible with Jesus. There's a very specific grammar that God uses when he says that. And Jesus uses that exact same wording when he talks about himself. And so in a sense, Jesus is connecting himself with the very divinity, nature, and person of God. So these are dramatic, dramatic statements. And here's my hope in these coming weeks. If you are somebody who's a Christian here already, here's what I hope happens for you the next couple weeks. That you would get to a whole nother level of appreciation and understanding of who Jesus is. So by the time you get to Easter, you are just like, I am so grateful for who God is and what he's done in my life. <laughs> now, if you're in here and you say, I am not a Christian yet, I'm still kind of exploring, not sure I'm convinced, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you will go on this journey with us in these coming weeks and you will be able to make a decision about Jesus that's not just based on what some social media influencer posted online or what you heard from some college professor at some point in your life or just whatever opinions you've come up with in your own mind. I'm hoping that you will make a decision on Jesus based on what he actually said about himself. And so we're going to look at his actual words today in the statement he has for us. Now, for us to appreciate the statement today, I feel like we got to give a little context here, right? So let's rewind history back to the first century. You got to think about this. There is no Netflix at this time, no social media, no indoor plumbing. Nobody's staring at their phones for seven hours a day, not talking to each other. I don't know how they lived, everybody. Somehow the human race got past this season of history. But in this first century, the nation of Israel, right at this moment of time, is about to celebrate a huge festival that was core to their national identity. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was a way for them to commemorate and celebrate the deliverance God had for them and how he led them for 40 years through the desert. And there was one part of this festival that was kind of interesting. They would get these massive stands, huge. However big you're imagining, picture way bigger than that. And they would put these huge bowls on the top of them, massive bowls. And then they would fill these bowls with oil. And then they would light them on fire. And the reason they did this was to actually draw people's attention back to the moment in history when God actually led his people in the desert through fire at night. If you read the story, God actually provides the light of fire to guide them through the darkness of the desert. And these fires were meant to remind them of that. And so you just think at a time when there was no public lighting, there was no lights on at night, these things would be lit up. This was like their version of fireworks. It would light up the whole city. It was a spectacle to see. And on the last night of this festival, right in front of these massive fires, Jesus stands up in front of this crowd and he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now you have to imagine right here, the gasps in the crowd. People are like, what did this guy just say? Does he understand? What, does he know like shots are fired right now by what this dude just said? Because this wasn't just unexpected or even offensive. This was potentially blasphemous. Every single one of us in here, you understand the nature of light and dark on some level. We're like light, good, dark, bad, right? On some level, we get that. You have to understand, though, how big of a deal this was for Jesus to say this. If you go back to the first words of the Bible, the very first recorded words of God are, let there be 
Oh, y'all read your Bibles. That's good. I was actually wondering there for a little bit. Let there be light. First words of God. We talk about the fire for 40 years providing light to them in the desert to get them to the promised land. There was even a song that the nation would sing where they would say, the Lord is my light and salvation. So Jesus wasn't just saying something that was unthinkable or unexpected. He was saying something that forced a response to every single person that heard it. Two weeks ago, uh, one of the headlights on Nicole's car went out. Now, one thing I have been trying very hard to do in the last year or so is become more handy. I just, I just don't have that natural skill set and getting better with car maintenance. And partly it's really just because Nicole thinks it's hot. So I'm really trying really hard to get her to like, I'm trying to buy, in, buy into this thing. So I'm like, okay, a headlight going out. This is probably something I can handle. So I jump on Amazon and start looking at all the headlight things. And I'll tell you, I did not expect what I saw. Thousands upon thousands of options. I mean, geez, lumens and high beams and low beams and, and LEDs and whatever. I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know what to get. I was freaking out. And so I'm going through all these different options. And I tell you, you haven't lived until you have started reading the reviews of headlight bulbs on Amazon from people. <laughs> the things people will say about headlight bulbs for a car. I mean, it was pure entertainment. But all I wanted, all I wanted was some bulbs that would turn the lights on at night. That's all I need. I'm like, I just need to see in the dark. That is all I need. And, you know, I scored some serious man points in the last week or two. Because after one order and 27 YouTube videos, I got those headlight bulbs in and they were working and the car was running great. I'm just going to say. I'm just going to say. <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> just the truth. Now, at the end of the day, here's what I know. There was probably hundreds of options that would have worked on Nicole's car. Maybe even thousands of options that would have fit her car and turned the lights on. I, I understand that. And that's exactly how so many people think about God, faith, and religion. You see, the whole tone of our culture right now, the attitude of so many people is, hey, everybody has their own beliefs. Everybody has different perspectives. Everybody has their own views of God and the afterlife and all these things. And who are we to judge? How dare we impose our views on somebody else? So you believe what you want to believe. You do you, boo, like it's whatever you want. And you know what? It sounds really good. Like it sounds accepting. It sounds tolerant. It sounds like we can all just get along. But can we just face an undeniable reality today? We just have to face this. All people are equally entitled to their beliefs. Absolutely. All of us are. Whatever you want to believe. But that does not mean all beliefs are equally valid. We have to just face that today. And so not every light fits the lamp. It's just the truth. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to get at when he says, I am the light. Jesus is saying, there is no other light. You can't just jump on Amazon and choose from a thousand different options. And he tries to make this as clear as possible. He doesn't say, hey, I'm the light of Israel. I'm just here for Jewish people. 
He doesn't say, hey, I'm the light for poor people. They really need the help. I'm here for them. He doesn't say, hey, I'm just the light for people who want a little religion in their life. The people who just kind of need it. No, he said, I'm the light of the world. Two options Jesus gives us. He says, you have me, the light, or you have darkness. This is the case Jesus is making. And if he's saying that, that leads me to ask a question. This is something I really wrestle with. Jesus, you say you're the light, the only light. If that's true, why don't more people flock to you like a bug to a lamp? Like, why aren't people just running to get to Jesus? Why aren't there lines out the doors right now to come into church and hear about Jesus? Last time I checked, we, we don't have lines waiting outside. Everybody in here, your experience is probably like mine. Most of the people I know in my life don't have any interest in Jesus. They are not begging me to tell them about him. And their life is going totally fine in their mind without him. That's been my experience. Now, why is that the case, though? If Jesus is the light, why, why do most people not care? Well, there's a dynamic of the human experience that every single one of us has here on some level. And John actually speaks to it a couple chapters earlier. He says this in John 3, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. So on a fundamental level, why don't we embrace the light? Why don't we embrace the reality of Jesus? Because we don't want it. Really, that's what John's saying. At the end of the day, most of us just don't want it. And I actually feel like what John says is kind of strong. He's like, love darkness. Like, if you're in here and you're not a Christian, you're like, Brian, okay, I may not be a Christian, but like, I don't love darkness. That's kind of coming on a little strong. But again, John is borrowing the same kind of tone and idea of Jesus. He's saying, there's Jesus, there's light. And if you don't have that, the lights are off in your life. That, that's the case that's being made here. Now, here's what we got to wrestle with then. I have a friend, actually, who I've just gotten to know pretty well lately. We've kind of become friends. We just met in the car line, you know, picking up the kids from school and everything. And now we're going to coach a couple of sports teams this spring together. So he's a good dude. Loves his kids. Great husband to his wife. Holding his life together. If you hung out with him, you'd be like, this is a fun guy. Like, I really like the dude. We've become friends. And we've had some conversations just about God and spirituality and all that. And he placed himself, as we were talking, in a category that I think a lot of people would place themselves. Maybe you'd put yourself here. He said, Brian, I am definitely not an atheist. So he's like, I believe there's a God, there's a higher power. But he also said, I would not call myself a Christian, though. So he's like, that's kind of the space I'm living in. And so if you were to even talk to him, you would say, hey, you have your light. I have my light. And that's all good. We all have different ways to live. We have different ways we like to operate in this world. Well, here's just what Jesus would say about my friend, though. Jesus would say, oh, yes, his life is very functional when you look at it from the outside. He's paying the bills. He's holding it together. But the lights are off. He is walking in darkness. That's just the undeniable reality. Every single one of us in here prefers darkness over light in some way. We prefer to go our own way. We want to live our own life and have our own light. And actually, even if you're a Christian in here, 
that doesn't mean you walk in perfect light either. <laughs> doesn't mean you got it all figured out. John wrote another letter, and in 1 John 1, he says this, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not live out the truth. For all the Christians here, can we own something right now? I think we just got to own this. Christians sometimes have this superior kind of arrogant attitude. Okay, can we just own that? Do we, nobody in this church, not a single person in Northern Hills. We're talking about all the other people out there that are not in this church. You guys are fine. You're fine. We're talking about other people right now. But there is. There's kind of just like this, I have the answers. I'm all good. And all you other people can just kind of go to hell. Like that sometimes is the vibe you get from Christians. And any genuine Christian in here, though, you would know that if there is any light in your life at all, it is only by the grace of God. It is only by the goodness of Jesus, that it is not something you have done yourself. And all of us in here, if you are a Christian, you know there have been times you have really walked in the dark. You have smacked your head into so many doors walking in the darkness. You have the scars to prove it. And so Christians should actually be the most humble people on planet Earth, the most gracious, the most patient, because we know the struggle of light and darkness in our own lives. And all of us in here, in some area of our lives, you want darkness more than light. Every single one of us in here, you do things you know you shouldn't do. You want things you know you shouldn't want. You think about and fantasize about things that you know should not even enter your mind. And if we were to spend the rest of the service right now having every single person in this room come to the stage and then all of your worst mistakes, regrets, and sins were put on the screen for everybody to watch, every person in here would be absolutely horrified humiliated because every single one of us has darkness in our lives. And John says, if you claim to have a real relationship with God, but you are just continuing to walk in this darkness, you're lying to yourself. On some level, you are living a lie and you're not walking in the truth. So I think this is really a good opportunity for us. When you think about your own life, let's just ask this question right now. Is there any darkness in my life I am tolerating? Is there anything in your life right now that you know is just not good for you? You know it's not even honoring for God. Right now, you admit it actually is kind of dark. It's, it's shameful. Maybe it's going on because you've just gotten comfortable with it. Now it's just part of your life. It's part of the routine. Some of us in here, it's just because you haven't been caught yet. For some of us in here, you think you have it under control. But you see, if we're okay with the darkness and the sin in our lives, John says, you are lying to yourself. There's inconsistencies in your life. There is darkness that you need to navigate. 
now that I have everybody depressed in this room, like, geez, downer church or whatever. Okay, Brian, um, I will let you all know, I set it up that way because I want us to be able to take a strong pivot to real hope and really good news. And this is why what Jesus says is so incredible. Because when Jesus says, I am the light, he is trying to communicate some things that are so profound about who he really is. And there's two things even I want to highlight right now. What is Jesus trying to say? Well, on one level, he's trying to say light leads to truth. Now, just think about this. Everybody in here, you've probably had this experience. Have you ever like been walking around your house, your apartment at night, and, you're, and the, the lights are off, and you're just feeling around, like you're trying to find the light switch or trying not to smack your face into something? You have those moments. But the moment you turn the lights on, everything changes. You can see clearly. You have no issues navigating the room then. You're not kind of walking around carefully trying to figure it out because you can see what's true. You are seeing things in perfect reality. Now, John said, God is light. God is the only one who sees everything clearly. There's nothing he doesn't see exactly how it is. The Bible even says he sees things so clear that he even knows your thoughts. He knows what's on your heart. He knows the very motivations that are driving your life. And one dynamic of the darknesses in our lives, everybody has this struggle. It's because of some of that darkness, we all struggle to be fully transparent in our lives. Even with the people you're closest to in your life, you still struggle to be completely open with. It's, I don't care if it's a sibling, a best friend, a mother, father, or your own spouse. There are things that you feel like you just can't open up all the way. And what Jesus is trying to say here is, even if you can't be transparent with other people, you can be fully open with God. You can open your life up to the light. And when you do that, it will bring a clarity and a coherence to your life that you have never had before. God can actually lead you into the truth, to your very identity, the purposes he designed you for, the path he meant for you to live out. That's one thing Jesus is trying to point us to. But another thing Jesus is trying to let us see, that light leads to life. Jesus said back in John 8, whoever follows me will have the light of life. Now, Nicole, just in this last year or two, she's gotten really into houseplants. Y'all, not even just a little bit. I counted. We have more plants inside our house than outside around our house. We have officially reached that point in our home. And there's just plants everywhere. And there's a family in this church that I love, but they are encouraging this bad habit a little bit too much. They just keep feeding my wife plants and encouraging all this. I love you guys, but my goodness, okay, it's getting out of hand. And so Nicole's super into plants. We got plants everywhere. And this may not be shocking to you. A lot of the plants are on windowsills. Is that shocking to anybody in here? No, because we all know why. Nicole will even sometimes move plants around the house so they can get different light. E even on a warm day like today, we'll put plants outside just because they can get enough light, right? You know for plants, uh, getting enough light is literally a life or death situation for them. If they don't get enough light, they die. And the same thing is true for every single one of us. See, what Jesus is trying to say here is that your soul desperately needs light. 
It's how you actually get life to it. And Jesus is making a case where he is saying, when my light pours out on your life, it catalyzes spiritual photosynthesis in you. And it will actually bring the leaves of your life green and it'll start to transform your life and bring a vitality to it and a vibrancy to it that you could not experience any other way. I actually had an acquaintance in high school. We weren't like friends or anything like that. I just knew of him. And he was kind of in the party scene. That was kind of just his vibe in high school. You know, everybody kind of knew that. And I saw him right when I graduated. We were at a mutual friend's house and um, he was just doing his thing. And then I didn't see him for the entire four years I was away at college. That was the last time I saw him. So I came home again four years later after college. And again, we ran into each other at another mutual friend's house. I hadn't seen this guy in four years. And he was just different. Like his face looked different. His whole attitude and demeanor was different. There was just like this life and vitality to him. I was like, dude, are you doing like yoga or keto or CrossFit or something? Like there's just something different about you. And he got kind of like serious there. And he's like, he's like, Brian, I actually became a Christian while you were going to college. And when he told me that, I remember having this moment where I'm like, that makes total sense. This guy opened his life up to the light. And now there is a vitality and a vibrancy coming to him that he could not get any other way. When you open your life up to Jesus, it is literally life. And it will transform you from the inside out. So this now should lead to a very important question we all should be asking. How do you get this light? How do you actually experience what Jesus says he can provide? And actually, Jesus places one single condition on your ability to experience this in your life. He says there is one thing you have to do if you want this. And he said it right there in John 8. He said, whoever follows me will have the light of life. So what Jesus is saying is if you want light in your life, you must follow. There's a moment if you choose to go on this journey with Jesus where you will make a decision. You'll say, okay, I'm going to trust my life to Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in him. We call this the moment of salvation. And this is the best decision you could ever make. But it really is just the beginning. Some people think that's the end. It's your fire insurance to get to heaven. No, it's actually just the beginning. Because Jesus tells us what actual following looks like at another point in his ministry. In Luke 9, Jesus says this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, did you just see the standards that Jesus put out for following? First off, he says, you want to follow me? Okay. First thing you got to do, you got to deny yourself. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're really denying yourself, what God wants takes priority over what you want in your life. You actually give God veto power in your life. You got to be willing to do that. He says, you also really want to be serious about this? You need to take up your cross. The most painful image of death and suffering you would think of at that time. And that's what Jesus uses for following. And what he says is you need to be willing to pay the price 
Whatever the cost may be, you have to be willing to pay it and not bail. And even on top of that, Jesus puts that final nail in the coffin and he says, you also need to do this daily. There actually is no such thing as a casual Christian. That's actually a contradiction in terms. Because Jesus says, you really want to do this? It's all in or it's nothing. You can't go halfway with this. And so there was a guy in our church who went on this journey of following Jesus. And he felt like God was asking him to deny himself in these areas of his life. The, the two areas he felt like God was challenging him on was actually around his drinking and his video game playing. Those were the two things. Now, hear me at this moment. There is not a single verse in the Bible that says you can't play video games or you can't enjoy a drink, okay? This is just something he was struggling. If you want to pop open a course and go play League of Legends or Fortnite or whatever, that's on you, okay? Have fun. But this guy, he just, he felt like Jesus was saying, listen, these things, the way you're doing them are actually pulling you away from following me fully. So I'm asking you to, to pay a price here and to give some things up. Now that was for him. That may not be for you. But it's worth even asking, even this morning, where is Jesus trying to lead you? In this season of your life, at this moment in time, what's the next step God is trying to get you to take? Is God asking you to deny yourself in any areas? Is he telling you to pay a price? Is he calling you into a level of following that maybe you didn't even anticipate? You know, I kind of laugh at these sermons because I feel like at these moments in these sermons, people are like, my goodness, Brian, <laughs> this is not really the fun part of Christianity. Didn't you just do a favor of God series? Can you talk about how God has favor for my life? Let's go back to that series. That was more fun. <laughs> and it's kind of confusing to me because Jesus just said, I'm the light of life. I have life for you. And then he says, hey, by the way, take up your cross and die. It's like, so which one do you want, Jesus? Is this good news or bad news? I can't even tell. And Jesus knows that this is a hard ask, which is why the verse after when he says, you got to take up your cross daily, he follows it with this. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. If you choose to follow Jesus, there are times it is going to feel like death. It's going to hurt. You're going to give up things that you want. And it's even going to feel like a loss. But Jesus says, if you are willing to trust me through this following process, I will lead you to a life you never even knew was possible. I will lead you to a life you didn't even know you could have. What Jesus calls life to the full. That is the life I have for you, Jesus says. So if you're here today and you would say, I think I want to follow. Like, I don't want to be casual about this thing. I want to be fully committed to this. I'm willing to even pay the price. I'm willing to take the risk. I'm going to bet on Jesus and see if this really works. I will tell you, if you make that decision, something dramatic will happen in your life. Something that will change everything. See, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. A jaw-dropping statement. But if you consider the fact that he said that, 
it makes something else he said even more astounding. Because at another point in Jesus' life, he said this in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Now hold up, Jesus. Which one is it? Because I am not about to put myself on Jesus' level, okay? I'm not about to play that game. We are not the same. How can you be the light and I could be the light at the same time? It doesn't make sense, Jesus. There's another contradiction. And he even goes on. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I want to have some fun with this. We just did this at the top of the service. Let, let's, let's try to enter into the reality that Jesus says is the human experience. And this is basically what Jesus says the world is like. He says that the world is dark. This is what Jesus says the world is like. And when Jesus turns the light on in your life, what he wants it to do is not just shine in you, but shine through you. And I know this sounds super cheesy, but I just want to have some fun with it and do an experiment. And I know I can do this in today's days. Would you all, let's pretend we're at a concert right now. Can we pretend we're at a concert? Can you get your phones out and turn your flashlights on? Let's have some fun with this. Come on. If you got a phone on, I, I see you all checking your phones during church anyways. You might as well get them out. Okay. So let's get off. Come on, turn the lights on. Everybody, get them out. Get them out. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Let's do this. I wish we could have like some Coldplay music on right now or something that would fit, fit the moment. So you look around the room right now. This is Jesus's vision for you. He says, I don't just want the light to shine in you. I need it to shine through you. And right now, if I asked everybody to stand up and find a seat on the other side of the room, you would have no problems because there's light in the darkness. So let's go ahead and turn those lights back on. Thank you for humoring me. That was actually kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. That was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> now, hear me. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, let your light shine in every dark place you step into. We're not called just to complain about the darkness in the world. We're called to enter into it, to push it back. And so for some of us in here today, the dark place for you is your school. Some of the students in here, God is calling you to bring light into the darkness, to shine around your classmates in the hallways, the teachers, the administrators at our church. I know it is so hard to work in the schools today. It is not like it was 20 years ago. But maybe God's not calling you to leave it. He's calling you to step into it and to shine and bring light to the dark places in our culture. Some of us in here, you do hate your job. Maybe you're like the only Christian there. You're like, nobody believes what I believe. It's like a hostile, you know, situation. Well, maybe that's exactly why God has you there. So you can bring light into the darkness of your workplace. Some of us in here, the dark place is your own family. And you wish you could just run away from it and not have to deal with it. But God is saying, no, I need you to shine. We need to break some generational curses. We need to change some legacies. I need you to shine around this family. Wherever God may call you, 
If you are a follower of Jesus, it's not supposed to just shine in you. It's supposed to shine through you to light up the very world. And I think about how in just a month, we are going to be celebrating Easter in here. This place is going to be packed out with thousands of people. And I think of my friend who hasn't been to a church in 15 years, he said. Couldn't care less about God. And I'm wondering, you know, this is sometimes the one or two times a year where people are a little bit more open to a church invite. Maybe there's some people in your life who might be open even just to a single invite to an environment that is going to bring the light of Jesus to people's lives. And maybe that's the one little crack of light they're going to need to start going on this journey of really seeing who Jesus is. But whether it's Easter or your workplace or your family or your neighborhood, this is a question we should constantly be asking God every day. God, who do you want me to lead to the light? Who are those people in my life that you're calling me to light up their souls with your very hope and your very love? Because I'm the light of the world. Now, you might be in here today, and you're not a Christian yet. And you're still not sure. And you, you don't know where you stand with these things. There's a mistake you can make today that I don't want you to make. You're going to be very tempted to ask this question. Do I like what Jesus said? He said he's the light of the world. He said I got to deny myself, take up my cross. I'm not sure if I like that. That's the wrong question. Please do not ask that question today. The question you need to ask yourself today is, is what Jesus said true? Because if it's true, it doesn't really matter how we feel about it. The only proper response is to follow, to give everything to him. And you need to know, Jesus didn't just say bold things. He backed them up. He performed miracles. He defied the laws of nature. And then he went to a cross for you. He died for your sin. The darkness of your life, he took upon himself. And he was placed in a tomb. But three days later, the light broke through. And Jesus rose from the dead. And now he is shining his light into this world through his people to transform the darkness and push it out. And so if you are in here, I just want to encourage you. If you really are exploring Jesus, you're not sure, we have these free resources available right at the kiosk. Our prayer team has them. The book is called Follow Jesus. <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that look like? There's other podcasts and resources. Take one for free. No strings attached. You can walk out with this today. Please do that. We want to help you just explore Jesus and consider his claims. But there's one thing actually um, I want to do before we close. I actually got you all a little present today. Don't get too excited, okay? It's just a little thing. But when you leave today, you're all actually going to get a little light bulb. Now, I know this might seem a little cheesy, but I'm hoping this is something that really drives this sermon home into your heart. And I hope you'll take this as a little reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. He's the only light. He's the only one that can light up the soul of a person and push the darkness out. At the same point in time, I hope this light bulb is a challenge to you that you are the light of the world. And Jesus is calling you to shine his light through your life. And I'm asking that you please wouldn't just throw this away when you walk out. Put it on your desk at work. Put it in your locker at school. Hang it from your rearview mirror in your car. I actually already have one in my office. I took one this week. And already just looking at it each day, I'm like, yes, God, like help me shine. Help me bring your light to the people in my life that desperately need it. 
And church, I'm telling you, as we all decide to follow Jesus daily, God says he will use us to light up the world. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we are just in awe of the claims that you've made about yourself. You said, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus, you backed it up through a death and through a resurrection, bringing light into our lives, bringing the hope of healing through faith, forgiveness of sin. And right now, Jesus, I pray that you would help us shine brightly, Lord. Help us bring the light into the dark places of our lives. Lord, I pray Northern Hills would be the brightest light this world has ever seen. In the darkness of Colorado, in the darkness of this world, we would shine brightly, courageously, pushing darkness back wherever you may call us. And I pray right now, if you're in here and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, I'm telling you right now, he said, I am the light. And he backed it up. And even right now, you can reach out and say, Jesus, I want to follow. I want your light in my life. I want you to pour into my life and bring me to life. Right now, reach out to him. Ask for him to enter your life, and he will not deny you. He will come into your life. He will bring a vitality that you have never experienced before. And Lord, I just pray you'd move in people's hearts, that you would transform lives and eternities right now, even in this service, God. And I pray you would break our hearts for those who are walking in darkness in our lives. And Father, as we allow the light not to just shine in us, but through us, I pray you would literally use us to light up this dark world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.